ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of That's Entertaining for August 2017. Yes, there was a bonus episode for Iron Fist, but you know, nobody listened to that anyway. So now we're actually going to have our proper episode. And to join me this month as we talk about The Defenders is none other than internet famous PSVG man himself, Josh. What's up, man? Hey, not much. I feel a lot better now that I'm internet famous. Oh, totally, totally. Uh, didn't you get the memo? Oh, must I must I have so many emails. I must have missed it. Uh, that that's usually what happens when you're internet famous. You get so <laughs> many emails, and they're usually ones that are like, "Hey, you got a great offer." <laughs> that's right. But or uh, weird Xbox messages. <laughs> yeah, about those, by the way, those are probably spam bots, you know, right? Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> Uh, well, what has been up with you, buddy? Not much. Summer work just ended, so uh, my schedule has completely 180'd on me starting today. So just trying to get my life back in order. Um, it's been nuts. I just watched Death Note today on Netflix, if that counts for anything. Yeah, how was that? Uh, you know, I didn't watch the anime, so uh, I enjoyed it. I mean, it's a little silly. Uh, the premise is definitely uh, a little crazy, and a lot of things happen to kind of propel the story forward that don't necessarily work in real life. Um, but I thought it was a fun kind of like horror, suspense, thriller kind of kind of show, movie, whatever you want to call it. I enjoyed it. Was it a movie or was it a show? It was a movie. Yeah, a couple a hour long. It was like an hour and a half, maybe. It might have been shorter than that. I, I had a, the feeding the baby while watching it, so you know, time is like a, a mystery when that happens. <laughs> it goes in and it comes out. You just don't know what time it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice. I've heard people that liked the anime didn't care for the movie, but people that liked the movie didn't actually watch the anime. And like you, I haven't seen the anime yet. Uh, so maybe I would enjoy it. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's just like any good movie that's based off of a book. I think like it all gets lost in source material. So you can, you kind of have to take it for what it is. And I'm pretty sure Death Note, if it's like a traditional anime, it's got to have hundreds of episodes. Oh yeah, I'm sure. So like, you know, people, I, I get it. Like they're doing a full metal alchemist movie, a live action one. And I was a huge, huge fan of the show. Uh, there's no way I am gonna like the movie. So, right. <laughs> so I get it from both sides. With Full Metal Alchemist, I actually did watch some of that when I was when I was growing up, and they had in addition to the cartoon series or the anime series. Sorry, I'm an anime. Don't come at me. <laughs> uh, in addition to the series, there were some feature length films as well that yeah. were released to DVD. Uh, there were at least four that I can think of. Yeah, and then they redid the whole series and called it Brotherhood, and I didn't know what the heck was going on. Is that what that was? Because I saw that at one point, and I was like, this must be just like another chapter or something like that. They kind of graduated on, but they just reimagined it. Yeah, it was like, I watched the first episode, and it was what I thought was the same exact episode that I saw before, but my buddy told me, you know, they added in subtle differences and new content. So I don't know. Huh. Well, one of these days, maybe they'll uh, they'll have that on Netflix and we can binge that. Is it on Netflix? It might even be. 
It must be. I bet. I, or either that or Hulu. I can't remember what I've seen it on. Hulu has a lot of good anime. I remember yeah. when I was first getting Hulu, looking at the content that was out there, there was a lot of good stuff. I was like, I want to watch this. I want to watch this. And I put it on my watch list, and then they changed their uh, their way that you access it on the Xbox, at least. It changed. And it's just terrible now, and I can't find anything except like what I last watched, and I just I hate Hulu right now on the Xbox, at least. I don't know if it's changed across all the platforms, but like... Ah, yeah, they, they changed it on all platforms, and I, I I hate it too. I hate the new in- interface. It's terrible. It's not user friendly, and all I can picture is people like my parents who use Hulu. How much harder it must be for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're having our own troubles with it. It's it's terrible. It's it's uh, a huge mistake. I think what they did. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty close to canceling my Hulu too, but you know it seems to be every year like when the fall move or fall TV shows come back around, I want it. But last year, I was thinking the only thing that I watched was like ABC stuff, and it was like Designated Survivor and Blackish were the only things that we really watched on Hulu. The rest I yeah. watched like it was the CW stuff, which was on their free app. So I'm wondering if ABC has like a free app for that. So. I don't know. I might be reconsidering my Hulu because I have like the no ad version and I haven't watched it in like months, you know, so it's like money down the drain. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, we we have it, but um, I I use it. I use it frequently, maybe not so much in the last like month or so. um, But but uh, now that fall is coming back, I'll, I'll watch it daily. Yeah. But man, that move that they changed their their UI, that is just so bad. Yeah, I really hate it. <laughs> so much. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's the worst. Yeah. So, anything else you've been entertained by? Um, I played some Splatoon today. I've been playing like Sonic Mania when I can get at it. Um, what are you playing uh, Sonic Mania on Switch? On the Switch, yeah. Oh, I should mute my phone. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Um, Zordon is calling you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I did just watch Kong Skull Island, finally. And? and? Uh, I th- there was too much of a hype train around that I think I enjoyed it, Aww. but I found myself losing interest a few times. I, I always, that's how I, I was, I found myself on my phone a bit, and I noticed um, when I look back on it, I can always tell when I, when, when I'm on my phone and watching something, Clearly, it doesn't have my full attention. Mm-hmm. So it kind of felt like one of those like movies you can watch while you're folding clothes, if that Aww. makes sense. I, I saw it twice in the theater. I haven't seen it at home yet. But like in the theater, you, you're, you're a captive audience in a way. And it's definitely, for me, I definitely think it was presented best in a theater setting because it was just visually appealing. Like, yeah. If you are watching on your TV at home, I can see it where it just kind of loses interest. But, man, if you're watching it on an IMAX screen and your seats are rumbling with everything, you're you're engaged. Yeah, the whole time I was watching it, I was I kept thinking to myself, I wish I saw this in the theater because I can definitely see that that aspect of it. There was some some uh, awesomely entertaining um, um, fighting scenes and exploration stuff and, and the visual effects were stunning. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the whole time I was watching, I was like, I really wish I saw this in theaters. Um, so yeah, I can, I can definitely see that. Nice. Uh, yeah. So what about you? That's what I want to know. <laughs> uh, for me, not a ton. 
that I have been entertained by recently, except as from the game side, I'll, I'll touch on that I've been playing Madden uh, 18, the new Madden that just came out over on the Xbox. I've played probably about 24 hours of it at this point, which is kind of a lot because it just recently came out. Uh, last week, it hasn't even been out for a week as of recording. So, yeah, I've... <laughs> I've played a little bit of that. I haven't done any connected franchises mode, uh, any connected franchise games yet. Uh, but I have done the Madden Ultimate Team, the long shot story mode they added in this year, which was which was entertaining. Uh, it was not what I was expecting to be sure. Was it? Was it good? It was fine. It was okay. <laughs> um, gameplay wise, I was expecting it to be like you know. You get little scenarios, pretty much like Madden Ultimate Challenges, but kind of mm-hmm. with a story in between them. But this kind of this the mechanics were kind of built around a uh, almost like a modified quick time event scheme, where you'll have to press buttons just to go through a quick time event, or uh, you know repeat things that are said and things like that. It's just a weird scheme, and, and it's completely separate from the rest of what I'd call the Madden proper because it's, it's definitely, you can tell when you click into it, it just kind of just shifts away from the entire menu system and everything you open up that it's like a different game and it's fine. It's interesting. The, the story isn't, it's good. And like, I thought it was just, it was not what I was expecting and it wasn't, it's not bad by any means, but I don't know. It, it's not what I was expecting. And I, I haven't played the FIFA story mode that they did last year. I didn't do any of the NBA 2K stuff that they've done, so I can't compare it to any of that stuff. Sure. All I can say is that it was entertaining, and I played through it once, and I don't see myself going through it again. Fair enough. I, I have the trial on, on Access also, and I was just debating on doing the long shot mode with it, but... If you do the EA access for long shot, you only get like the first act. There's three acts to the long shot story, but they only let you do the first act. You get everything else you can do in the entire game except for complete the story mode, because otherwise you could just complete the story mode in that in that uh, EA access trial time. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, uh, it's definitely a, like how's the act, the voice acting and stuff. That's what really got my attention. Uh, for the most part, it was fine. There was a little bit of an oddity with the audio mixing sometimes, like with the, when you would announce or mix a, a person speaking in with some background audio or some music, just like, it felt like it was a weird mix job on that. They should have elevated the speaking above all the other noise, but I mean, you can change that in your, in your options. I suppose you can go in and be like, you know, I want to turn the effects down. I want to turn the volume down and just... All this other stuff, but by default, you would think that it would be a little bit better mixed. So that that's one thing. But the acting sure. for the quality of the 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 voiceover was great. Yeah, I, I thought it was great. Um, they did the motion capture on all the characters, and so uh, you've got. I think uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher his first name, Mahashana Ali or something like that. Oh, um, Mahashara, yeah, Mahashara Ali. Yeah, he played Cottonmouth and Luke Cage, which is relevant to this discussion. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he He's in the game, and what's nice is you could unlock stuff for the like the Madden Ultimate Team mode, and his, his character is an unlockable coach that you can have in your Madden Ultimate Team. 
So he's my coach in the ultimate team that I have. It's hilarious. Nice. So That's I, can, cool. I see him on the sideline all the time. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was good overall. Like I said, it's not something that I'll go back and want to play again, but uh it was a a well written story. Just the mechanics were odd. Then that that's sure. all I'll say to that. Gotcha. Cool. But other than that on the game side, that's uh all I've been playing. Except I did play a little bit more Zelda, but I mean I just kinda of pushing the needle forward a little bit on that. Um I've taken it to work the past couple of days and over my lunch break I've been trying to play just a little bit to try to take my mind off of things during lunchtime and just kinda zone out and just be like in the world of Hyrule, which has has been working, so <laughs> I'll probably continue to take it to uh my work and play it when I can uh get some time over the lunch period. Nice. Um I watched obviously the Defenders, which we'll uh, discuss here. Yeah. But other than that, as far as entertaining stuff goes, man, I haven't been to the theater in a long time. Um, I got this kid coming, so I got all this other stuff I got to do to get ready for that. <laughs> and so all this time that I thought I might have is just going away. I do. I did watch. I forgot. I got the Blu-ray of um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Yes. And I watched that again because I was going to see that in the theater again, but I never got around to it. You know, for reasons I just yeah. mentioned. And so I popped it in last night and watched it again. That's a good movie. Uh, I and, love that movie. Yeah. I, I got the 4K uh, collector's edition set that they had at Best Buy. Mm. That comes with that collectible tin that has Groot where it says do not push on it. Nice. And I, I didn't know how this would work. So I don't have a 4K TV downstairs. I have a 4K monitor up here in my office. But my TV is a 1080p TV. I have my Xbox One X my xbox one s hooked up to it which is a 4k blu-ray player and for science i decided hey i'm gonna try to do an experiment here and see what happens when i put this 4k disc into my xbox which is hooked up to a 1080p display i just want to see if it would play if it'd be like this is not a supported display whatever it would do but i put it in there and the only message it gave me is hey, you'd be better watching this with an HDR TV, but that's the only message. It played just like it would typically play a Blu-ray. Really? Um, so I I would suppose it would make sense to me that that would be maybe a marginally better viewing experience if you have like those 4K combo packs that you're buying. And if you have a, a Blu-ray player and you don't necessarily have a 4K TV yet, Logic would dictate that if you use the 4K disc, even though it's downscaling to 1080p on your display, it should be a little bit better density or um, maybe a little bit more vibrant or something on your display. So give it a try if you haven't done it like me, because that was my first time doing it. I've had a couple other 4K movies that I just never thought to put it in my player right now. So have to try that. Yeah. That's cool. Because I'm starting to build that library. When you said that, it reminded me. I did forget. I did. I did uh, rent over the weekend Alien Covenant. Aha! Uh-huh. How was that? It was terrible. Oh, better <laughs> or worse fan, than Prometheus? It was worse. <laughs> uh, and and I'll tell you why. The only for me, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the first three Alien movies. Uh, less the three, the first two. I'm a huge fan of the first two. I like the third one. Uh, and then they all, they've all been downhill since then, but 
uh, Prometheus, I could tolerate a little bit. You know, they they're kind of trying to tell the story of how the um, the xenomorphs were created and. This new one in Covenant, I feel like you read Ridley Scott really felt the pressure to, to like, uh, as I told Donnie, they, I feel like they had an end or a plot point they needed to get to, and then they just filled it. They filled the movie hmm. to try to get to there and everything. The writing was lazy. It, they were like bad attempts at humor. Um, in the way that they portray the xenomorph, they they really butchered the whole like origin of this thing. And it became more of this like morphing creature than kind of what we're typically used to seeing with like the chest burster and then how that reacts. They changed the whole thing. Uh, as far as like uh, uh, the, the history of alien goes, I think they really screwed up. Um, but as I told Donnie, if you've never seen the alien movies, I think you can watch the movie and enjoy it as a standalone movie. But if you have any previous knowledge at, at all of the alien films, you're going to feel like something's off. Um, and for me, the whole movie was like really off. The only thing that was that sa- saved it a little bit was um, Fassbender. Um, he's great in it for what he has to, do, to work with. Um, I think he's still a great actor, so that was the only really like saving grace for the movie for me. Hmm. Well, that doesn't sound promising for because they're supposed to do another one, right? Yeah, I don't know. It really bums me out that because we were supposed to get a true alien sequel from Neil Blomkamp and Sigourney Weaver returning as Ridley, and then um, Ridley Scott was like, no. I don't want that to happen. I'm coming back. And part of his deal was that, you know, he has full creative control over it and bomb camp can't do anything alien related at all. So it really bums me out. I was hoping for, for greatness and, and we didn't get that in my opinion. Hmm. Well, speaking of Sigourney Weaver, you know what she was in recently? I do. So cabin in the woods. That wasn't that recent. That was been a few years. It's like 2012, right? Maybe? Yeah, it was a while ago. <laughs> That's about a while ago. But even more recently than that, she's been in a little movie, actually in a movie series uh, by Marvel and Netflix called The Defenders. So without further ado, let's dive on into our entertaining thoughts for this month. Defenders. Josh, before we dive into your thoughts on the Defenders show, why don't you give me a brief rundown of what you thought of the individual shows uh, leading up to it? Okay. Um, I think, I don't know, this is a list that's kind of divisive a little bit. A lot of people uh, have varying opinions. Uh, I, I was... When the first Daredevil came out, I was beside myself in happiness. It was it was kind of like what you wanted to see um, from like a gritty 
uh, superhero show or movie, depending on your opinion. Um, so I was a huge fan of the casting, and uh, I know some people had some issues with like the choreography in the first Daredevil. I think that they cleaned that up in the second one. Um, by far, Jessica Jones was my favorite and the biggest surprise out of all of them. Um, she's such a strong actress. I really, I've liked pretty much everything she's done from comedies to dramas, from, you know, Breaking Bad to Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23. I think she's hilarious and strong. And that's Kristen um, Ritter you're referring to there. Kristen Ritter, sorry, yes, as Jessica Jones. Um, I really liked uh, Luke Cage. Uh, I know uh, some people didn't. I, uh, you know, Mike Coulter, he's great. He's a great cast. Uh, the only other person I would have cast would have been Michael Jai White, which is kind of why I think I liked Luke Cage um, from movie from like Black Dynamite and like I'm kind of a big fan of like the black exploitation stuff. So Luke Cage was right up my alley. It was um, a great period show and I loved all that club stuff with the singing and the Motown style music. So that's like my second favorite. I think if I ordered it, it's Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and then the two Daredevils, uh, one before two, um, in that order. Um, I kind of I put Iron Fist in between Daredevil one and season two. I know that um, you didn't like Iron Fist uh, as much as I did. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, I, I feel like a lot of the reason why people didn't like Iron Fist was because of of uh, Danny Rand's character. But I kind of saw they're they're just trying to portray a, a guy who doesn't who's not a guy. You know, he's really still a 12 year old kid who, you know, doesn't really know how to act or how to behave in the real world. So, you know, I kind of I kind of saw that for what it was. And I'll tell you my thoughts on him and the defenders when we get into it. Um, but. Overall, I mean, I'm a big fan of every everything they've done. I mean, the worst, in anyone's opinion, the worst um, Netflix Marvel show is better than 90% of the uh, comic book shows that are out on TV. That is probably not true, but I'll give you 80%. <laughs> in, my, in my opinion. <laughs> so... Hmm. <laughs> that that's another discussion for a different day. But yes, it is. <laughs> anything else to say about the individuals before we hop on into the defenders? Um, I, I'm I'm looking forward to. I don't know. I feel like I didn't get enough Jessica Jones out of this series. Um, but we can get into that. But yeah, I don't think I have anything else. Uh, um, from at least the individual series, except I love Claire Temple's character. I'm glad she's like that glue that binds them all together. Mm-hmm. Um, they also didn't give her enough in this series, uh, in my opinion, either. But, um, um, you know, she's a strong character that's kind of waiting to to break out into her own thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's break out into our own thing and talk about the Defenders here. <laughs> so it starts off with Iron Fist, obviously Danny Rand. Which, uh, that was the most recent Netflix uh, TV show, was Iron Fist. And it wasn't 
well received across the board. There Correct. were people like you who enjoyed it more than people like me. And that's pretty evident by my feelings on the matter via the last podcast that I did, the solo podcast for Iron Fist. But I will say in the first uh, few minutes of The Defenders, I already kind of liked Danny Rand a little bit better than I did in Iron Fist. Um, And I don't know if that's because he's with Colleen right away and they're just, it's like buddy-buddy and I like Colleen a lot. Yeah, me too. I think Colleen Colleen is a really good character and I think she should be a Defender instead of... (laughs) (laughs) yeah but uh it was i was more endeared to the character there than i was at all of the iron fist tv show so already off to a better start for me um what did you think of this opening scene with danny uh chasing down the dude in was it italy paris yeah i don't remember where they were I i will say this colleen wing is my is i love her she is the best. And there, there's a Comic-Con uh, like event coming up uh, in my neighborhood in, in a month or so, and she's going to be there with um, Finn Jones, who plays Danny Rand. And I'm tempted to go and just get a, a picture and autograph with her and tell her she's the best part of Iron Fist, <laughs> hopefully with an earshot of him. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I don't know. For me, this, I think... Danny's character took a turn for the worse for me in this series. Um, I actually like him a lot less in this. And I think it's probably because he's up with so many other stronger characters in comparison. Um, so, you know, I didn't necessarily uh, love it, to be honest with you. And uh, I don't know. I don't have I don't have good solid thoughts on Danny's character necessarily because he's so like the same thing I told you from his series where he kind of is like a kid in an adult's body he mm-hmm. I feel like at this point enough time enough events have perspired enough time has passed he he still doesn't feel like his character has grown any to me. And that's kind of what, like, kills it for me. Never mind he's on planes again. Like, I don't think I'd ever get on a plane ever again. Like, take a train somewhere, man. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think Colleen Wing's character really um, keeps him a little bit more grounded for me, where I can kind of relate to her a little bit more. Um, so I can kind of relate to him through her, but um, I don't know. I, I I was kind of bummed when I saw that it's going to start off with him. I was a little bit disappointed in finding out that uh, we were going to have him as the basically the central focus of the series. Yeah, that was kind of a disappointing factor in a way for me as well, because Again, coming off the I don't care about him as much as I care about any of the other defenders, it was, oh, so he's the catalyst, I guess. Okay. Which, basically, this is Iron Fist Season 2, kind of. Like, Season 1 and a half of Iron Fist. Because it's basically just a direct continuation of that, maybe a couple months later. And what's interesting is, like, right away, you get the other characters 
out of their predicament that they were in. Luke Cage went back to jail, you know, at the end of his season. Yeah. And here he's getting out of jail. So (laughs) there's that, you know, and uh, with Daredevil, he met Murdoch is kind of doing his pro bono thing, just kind of on his own. No real indication of the time passage there. It's just been a while, you know, when he sees Foggy, when he sees Karen uh, pop up there, it was just like it had been a while, you know? Yeah, yeah. And with Jessica, when she popped up first, I can't remember what she was doing. She was probably drinking. Yeah, I think, was she at the bar, maybe? Makes sense. <laughs> and then, I, 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 I don't know, I have the memory of her, I don't know if it was that when we first see her, where she was sleeping on the bar, and the guy was telling her to get out. I don't remember if that's when we first see her, because I also have a memory of her walking to uh, her closed off office again too so i have like two memories of her first seeing her character right and then you had her you know the people trying to get her to find the missing architect yeah which was in that first one which is probably the the, one of the first interactions we see of her but so the team kind of is not a team definitely at all at the beginning of this thing they're just all kind of reintroduced in the world but I mean, we we don't really have time to go beat by beat on this, and hopefully, dear right. listener, that you've listened to the show by now. So, but let's let's just kind of go into how they all came together. Basically, it's Misty Knight and uh, Night Nurse, which I can't remember Rosario Dawson's character's name. Claire Temple. Claire, yeah. Yeah. Basically, it's those two kind of getting them a little pushed together a little bit, right? Yeah. Yeah. What'd you think of how they brought the team together or the the players together? I think I, I liked it. I think it kind of felt organic. They didn't make them all meet together at the same time. <clears throat> you know, they kind of all had their own little, um, little meetups. So like, you know, the, you know, uh, Matt meets Jessica in when she's in like in the in the interrogation room, and she doesn't know who he is, and he doesn't know who she is. It's just a de- like a like a, something that foggy had Matt do for him as a favor to somebody else. Um, and then I want to say, did Luke and Danny run into each other first? Like, I can't even necessarily remember mm-hmm. when they ran into each other. Cause so they I ran remember... into each other when that one kid was. Oh, he's they... spraying the bodies. Yeah. Right? He's spraying the bodies and Luke was following him and Danny was following the people trying to figure out what was happening. And then right. that kid ran out. Danny was going to try to corner him in the hall or in the alleyway. And Luke was like, nah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Jessica was following Matt, who was following her. Like, she turned it around on him. Mm-hmm. I remember that. So, you know, I liked how they all kind of met. It wasn't, I didn't feel forced, which is what I was afraid of. Because um, obviously going into this, knowing the only thing that really connects them is the hand and that only connects at the time daredevil um danny rand and um claire temple so like i think everyone knew claire was going to be the the you know the one that brought them all together essentially but uh you know i didn't really know how they were going to get jessica and luke into the fold because obviously they have their own relationship uh which they may or may not have hinted at again for whatever reason uh 
But I, I think it's funny because you brought it up like the timing is really odd. So like, you know, Luke's in jail for an unknown amount of time. We don't even remember like if they even said what his sentence was at the end of his series. So uh, I know that they had to do it that way. So I'm glad the way they did it was not like five guys walk into a room. <laughs> right. And they have to fight, you know, the hand. And then they all go, oh, you you got powers too? That's cool, you know. And I like that they were all kind of like, for the most part, none of them liked each other. Mm-hmm. Like they were all like, it's like a dirty dozen or like a misfits kind of group. Like I like that. Um, so I think they did a good job. The dialogue was written really well for them, uh, which is which was, was a surprise because some of the dialogue in the previous series was a little too cheesy for me. Sometimes it could feel pretty forced. Yeah, I can I can see that. Um, this one, like you said, when I like the interplay between Jessica Jones and following Matt Murdock around, and she was taking pictures of him. Yeah, yeah, and... that was really funny. And then she was like, why are you hopping around like, you know, whatever, uh, uh, some sort of ninja or something like that, right? Yeah. And he's like, I got photo proof. And he just takes her camera and smashes it right away. Mm-hmm. She's like, dude. <laughs> but it was it was a good way to bring the team together. I thought that it was, like you said, pretty organic. And I believed it. Because yeah, for sure. That, that's, that's always the challenge, right, is getting these people together. And first, yeah, you have to have the heroes kind of fight in a way. So it was kind of nice to see Luke Cage and Iron Fist fight there at that beginning. And they've, you know, scuffled a couple more times. But I always like watching Luke Cage fight. I mean, he's just like a righteous hero, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. He doesn't want anybody to hurt. He's like, I don't want to do this, but, you know, you're starting this thing. I'm going to finish it. And that's his whole mantra, right? Is He's like, I'm just here trying to help this kid out you're you're gonna beat him within an inch of his life you know he's he's got the moral compass in the group right he is the moral compass luke cage he does but i i just i don't know maybe you i don't know if you felt the same way that that the whole part of him like getting involved with that kid kind of felt really out of place for me like i i mean i i can see why he did it but i don't think they gave me enough a reason to understand why he would go through that much, especially just getting out of trouble. Like he's a smart guy, right? You know, you just said like his, he has a great moral compass. You would think he'd listen to Claire and he would stay away from like, I didn't feel like the sense of urgency for him to get involved in that, I guess is what I'm saying. So that kind of, that kind of felt a little odd to me. Uh, I think he handled it the best that, you know, the way they wrote it was good, but I just never got that sense of, like, why why, why it was so important for him to focus on this one kid when clearly all these kids around are in trouble. Mm-hmm. I think it, it got to him because he had a personal connection to him, and I think it was from Pop Shop. Right. So... Again, people have asked, you know, do I need to watch the other shows to watch The Defenders? I would say the answer is yes. Yeah, for for, sure. For a lot of reasons. But, like, you get all the backstory of all these characters. And even though I don't like Iron Fist, you pretty much need to understand the whole hand versus Iron Fist thing that happened. Because everybody that was in Iron Fist is a player in this show. 
So as much as you know, you can you can probably go into it cold turkey, but you're really doing yourself a disservice because you have no clue who Jessica Jones is and that whole thing that happened with her, which is really really good uh, storytelling. But you know, they kind of reference it a little bit, like with what happened with her and Kilgrave. Like one person was like, "I, I know what happens to you." Was it Murdoch? Who says I know your history? Someone mentioned Kilgrave. I don't remember who it was now, though. It might have been. It was either Murdoch or Foggy, actually, one of those two. But I yeah, thought... I think it might have been. I think it might have been Foggy. I don't think Murdoch. I don't think that he referenced it. I don't know though. I guess it doesn't matter, right? Because she did, clearly did not want any part of that conversation when it was brought up. Right. She obviously just kind of shut down right away uh, yeah. about it. But so let's we got the heroes kind of assembling now against the enemy of the hand led by, as we mentioned before, uh, Sigourney Weaver, who is in this show. What's what's your take on Sigourney? Uh, it, it, it took me a little while to to um, get uh, get a hold of her character, I guess. That's a poor choice of words, but I. I get acclimated. That's what I want to say. Uh, it was odd for me to see her like right away, but um, um, I liked the backstory they set up, and I liked how they started to slowly. They kind of slow. They started to slowly let you into her story through her conversations. It wasn't mm-hmm. necess- like they didn't like force an origin story on you. Right. You know, you kind of saw what she was going through a little bit. And then she'd start talking to other people. And then when she started talking to Electra, you kind of heard more and more of her story, which I really enjoyed. Um, I thought her, like, the way that they put her character through the this whole, like, um, uh, I'm in charge of, like, Madame Gao and Murakami and all these people. Uh, I thought that that was, that was a cool, like, almost... Hydra-esque, like, um, st- like organization they had set up. Because uh, she definitely, like, if you look at her, she played Alexandra, like, you don't get, you don't, the hand, that doesn't s- scream out to you. She's with the hand, you know. She comes across as this very, like, generic, white old lady. You know, but she mm-hmm. was like, and that's how you can, you see her weak at first. Like the first time you see her, they're showing you, they're showing her weak to you. And and I really liked how every episode she was getting stronger and stronger and stronger. But realistically, she was really getting weaker and weaker and weaker and losing control and losing power. But I like that like duality between how they told the story and what was really going on. Yeah. And like you said too, with her backstory, they didn't, they didn't have any flashbacks of her being, Oh, you know, going to Kunlun with the rest of it, of the people and taking over and all that jazz. They just kind of alluded to it in their dialogue in the story. And I thought that was a, a nice way to do the origin story to do the past, the past of her. <clears throat> but what I wish I could have seen, excuse me, I'm going to mute my mic for a second. Excuse me. What I wish I could have seen was they alluded to it. I think it was her and um, the guy that only spoke in Chinese or Japanese that she was a fighter. And it 
looked like she would be a powerful fighter. We didn't really see her fight except for when Electra was kind of coming at her. Yeah. I wish I would have seen why she was the leader. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I get that for sure. Yeah, they didn't really... uh... I guess that's true. I guess if they... I could have done with more backstory to see um, how she got that reputation. Because I felt that... I felt that way, like... They kept talking about her being a, a fighter, and I, you know, I, I didn't get that at all from the way she held herself up. Even when that Electra thing happened, mm-hmm. all she really did was like, kind of, back away in this weird like half martial arts stance. But that was pretty much all you really saw. Mm-hmm. I kind of got the. Uh, it reminded me a little bit of Tilda Swinton, uh, when she was kind of like just dodging around when when oh, she was yeah. training with Strange, but. Tilda was obviously a lot better <laughs> at uh, at that side of things. Yeah. But so with the hand, she's the leader. <clears throat> Good. I got someone in my throat. I'm sorry. <laughs> the, she's the leader of the, the hand. There's the five fingers of the hand. Obviously, it's her. It's the uh, the villain kind of character from Iron Fist. I can't remember his name. The the younger looking guy. Uh, Colleen Sensei. Oh, oh uh, uh, Bakudo. Bakudo, yeah. Madame Gao, um, and then the guy that only speaks Chinese, Japanese, whatever his name was. Yeah, Mark, uh, Murakami. Murakami. And then the other guy, uh, I think he was speaking South African, maybe? Well, he was uh, South African. They called him Mr. White or something like that. Yes, yeah, Sawande so, so was his name. I don't. I only know that because I have the list up here. Good, at least uh, somebody does. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I like I liked this character, too. Um, I, got a, I got a real like uh, Black Panther vibe out of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I thought was really cool. Not to stereotype him at all, but I just, you know, you get that, like, warlord feel out of him. Right, and he's the one that's kind of the Luke Cage entry point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, of the the five fingers of the hand, we're just going to kind of skip around now on this timeline because this, this conversation would go forever. The The first one of those to die is at the hand of Stick, and that was uh, Mr. White, or what did what'd you say his name was? So one day. So one day. And Stick comes into the picture, obviously. Cuts his hand off to escape from um, Sigourney's character. But it's, uh, it's kind of a weird thing that just now, after all these thousands of years, they finally get their head cut off. And I'm assuming you can't come back from that. Yeah, yeah, I would guess not. <laughs> if the Highlander teaches us anything. Right. So, you know, this is the first time that in any of them have ever come this close to out of the all this, I I find that hard to believe, you know? Yeah. I, well, I mean, they did reference other iron fists, right? So maybe they're just trying to tell you like this was like the perfect storm of like uh um you know, heroes or anti-heroes or whatever you want to call them, vigilantes. Right. Maybe they just all happen to meet up. Because, like, obviously, they they teach you that the hand has pretty much been a shadow government forever, can control of everything. Um, you know, and, and I think, was it the first time that they referenced the name of um, Sticks group? The chased, um, the chased. I don't remember that from Daredevil. I, you know, I seem to 
remember him saying that before at some point, I think. Yeah, I, I think I it was in the first it. I think it was in the first season of Daredevil, maybe the second, uh, when he was in there, but I, I think that was referenced before. But this is the first time Danny had heard of the chaste. Yeah, and me. <laughs> His own personal army. Yeah. So that's the first of the hand to go. Then the second was Bakudo, right? Yeah, I don't necessarily Yeah. Yeah, Bakudo was the next one, I believe. Mm, actually, Sigourney went first, but she didn't get her head cut off. So we don't know. She could come back. Oh, okay. Because he... All right. I was looking at the episode count. He came in later mm-hmm. in the episodes. That's why. Right. So Electra obviously takes care of Sigourney because mommy issues. And Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> like, I don't really get a real reason why she did that. Doesn't doesn't really add up to me. Does, it was. What's your motivation weird, like, to you? There was like a weird dance they were doing, like when they showed her, like in the bedroom. Uh, they didn't really. I think they were kind of alluding to the fact that uh, the first time she ran into Matt, she like he was able to jog her memory, and then she kind of. And I feel like she downplayed that so that Sigourney's character wouldn't know, um, but I think she kind of realized. That she was not the black sky, that she was Electra, and that you know she she just you know wants to be Electra and she just wants to kill. And I think she kind of just played coy for a little bit until she found a you know a weakness in in uh, Alexandra's character. I don't remember if she found out that like Alexandra was sick, and then that's why she did it. I don't remember the like the catalyst of why she'd want to kill her, but I I, I don't know. Uh, that was another thing that bothered me was like Electra's like, I just want to kill. That's my character. That's all I ever want to do. Just kill, 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 until like the end where like, it was like a startling, startling, startling. Jeez, uh, like a re- revelation at the end where she's like, well, <clears throat> maybe I don't always want to kill. <laughs> <clears throat> it was odd. Yeah, I mean, Electra's always been a shaky character in this. MCU, we'll call it. Um, I know that Daredevil Season 2 suffered from a couple things that made it maybe not so good to some people. One of them being the introduction and maybe overuse of Elektra. And the other being a positive part, but that was the introduction and featuring of Punisher. Because Daredevil Season 2, he kind of took a back seat to his own season, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. But, I mean... Her being the black sky, obviously a pretty big point of the Daredevil season two finale. And I thought that when they first had her up on that rooftop, that she was the one that was creating that earthquake. Did you get that vibe at all? I, you know what? I didn't, I, but, but I didn't really get where it was coming from at all like it just i understand it was like an anomaly and that obviously the earthquakes don't happen there but i just never got the sense of why it happened or if it was a supernatural thing i don't think they i think they really kind of glossed over that so i thought that i pieced together that it was them looking for that gateway door 
and probably blasting stuff away to oh, try okay. to get there. That's what I sure. thought it was. That makes sense. But again, it wasn't super clear. Yeah, they didn't really... Yeah. But, mm. okay. So we've kind of set the stage with the good guys and the bad guys. guys. Um, <laughs> so let's let's look at... I think this first scene where everybody kind of comes together, which is really cool. Um, the Was it the Nakatomi Tower or something like that? Yeah, no, that's a diehard. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I know what you're saying. Yeah, when they get in the elevator thing. They get in the elevator, they go up, and one... I think Daredevil runs up the stairs, and Jessica just kind of goes up the stairs, and Danny's already up there. And then Luke Cage comes out of nowhere. Yeah. He's just there. <laughs> but... That that introduction of having them all together, I like that. It worked for me. What what did you think of that first kind of fight where they were all in on the same side? I liked it. Uh, I liked it a lot, but it uh, it suffered from a trailer spoiler for me. Like there's been so much content coming out before this came out that I already saw like maybe a quarter of that whole scene. So. I still enjoyed it, but, like, I kind of had an idea of what to expect. Um, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you you had an issue with um, the fighting choreography in Iron Fist. Um, I just didn't think there was enough, like, proper kung fu fighting. Sure. There was was a couple decent scenes, but when you have a master of kung fu, you expect a lot more and a lot more entertaining kung fu you know sure, yeah. but yeah so i feel like the, i feel like they cleaned up the, uh i i don't disagree with you i also thought that um daredevil season two suffered from some bad fight choreography um but i think they cleaned it up for this i thought that like the fight scenes were real solid and i think that each character kind of got showcased enough where you felt like they were all contributing um and it was it was very entertaining. Like I, I you know, I, I can tell you, I sat on the couch with a smile on my face the, for the whole thing because uh, it was, it was, it was comical at some points. It was intense at some points. I thought it was uh, very well done and very well shot. Also. Mm-hmm. Now, as speaking of the things that were comical at some points, I don't remember w- at what point this scene came, took to place, but it, I thought it was hilarious when they three of them got on the on the bus, or the, not the bus, the train, and then she saw like a, a six pack of beer and just took one and just like starts chugging it. She's <laughs> like, yeah. I had a long week. Because <laughs> um, that's such Jessica Jones' character, right? But yeah. what's interesting is like of all the people that's, that are the fighters, and I think she even says this at one point, I'm like, am I the only person that doesn't know Kung Fu? Like she is the unpolished kind of just the 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 untapped potential of the group. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Because I know some people took, you know, they didn't like how she was portrayed. Because technically, in a way, she's probably the most powerful out of all of them. Right? She is the most powerful of all. Yeah, she is. Uh, Iron Fist, obviously, with his fist, is pretty powerful. But her as a whole, she in the in some of the comic books has like the power for flight and other stuff like that. But here she's just, I've always taken her as a character that's, you know, she's always drinking, right? And she's trying to suppress a lot of that stuff. It reminds me of um, when you were introduced to the MCU version of Peter Parker 
and now he talked about uh, needing to have like the dampener for his vision because otherwise everything is just overwhelming. I think in her own way, maybe that's how with the overabundance of alcohol <laughs> is how she's <laughs> dealing with that kind of same sensory overload. Um, and I remember at one point, like she went a while before she got a drink and it was that one that she got on the bus or yeah, train. I keep saying the bus. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think that she was kind of before that point getting settled into kind of a fighting groove and then kind of relapses into that and realizing, Oh wow, I haven't had a drink in a while. And I, I kind of need to calm down and shut some of this out. And then she kind of regresses a little bit after that. Did you notice that at all? Um, I didn't necessarily notice that. I think that like it was definitely like her first like like lull in in like everything. So like she, it's kind of like she didn't have a time to even think about it. So I think that it kind of for me it kind of just showed that she's always thinking about having a drink, and like that was her first moment where she could like stop and she's like sat down and she was like, oh crap, I haven't had a drink. You know, mm-hmm. and she's used to this homeless guy's beers or whatever and couldn't help herself to like she's she's fighting crime. And the first moment she has to rest, she literally steals something from somebody mm-hmm. like I thought it was I thought it was pretty funny. But I think it just speaks more to that. She's an alcoholic than, than anything else. Yeah, true enough. <laughs> so. We're getting we're getting close to the hour mark here. So, what what's your overall take on the story? All right. So, I liked I liked uh, how they brought the characters together. I liked the hand aspect. Um, I absolutely hated the Electra storyline. And I I don't like how I felt I felt like they forced. Like you said, this was like I am for season two. I really felt like halfway through this, they forced Daredevil season three down my throat, and I didn't want that. Like, I really felt like they took this large story and they whittled it down to, like, The Notebook or, like, a a sappy love story between Matt and Elektra. That really bugged me from the story aspect um, I loved how they entered, they got all the sidekicks in the show together. Uh, they didn't really show enough of them interacting for me, which I thought would have been a little cooler. They were all like, in a room off scene. Yeah, they were all just sitting there like, you know, <laughs> Foggy and Karen and, and Trish and all these characters who have so much to offer and out of eight episodes, they couldn't even give us 20 minutes of them, you know, having a conversation about what the heck are they doing there? Like, there were some things that bugged me about that, but I would say overall, I could have gone, I definitely could have gone for five more episodes. I would have been happy with a, um, you know, a 13, 12 or 13 episode run. Um, but I thought the story, for the most part, uh, was very enjoyable. Um, and I'm interested to see what they do with, if we get a Defenders 
season two or what happens when we pick up on these characters and their individual series. Um, I'm interested to see what they do next. So it left you wanting a little more. Yeah. Uh, are we spoiling the end? Like, well, the whole thing's spoilers to this point. So I'd, sure, hop it in. The end didn't. The end for like. I don't know. <laughs> I'm a little torn on the the, the ending ending. Uh, oh, the not, not, ending not, ending. Not sorry. Not like the uh, whole like seven like eighties nineties. Teen comedy where they show everyone's life after the conclusion of the movie. Like, <laughs> I didn't care for that necessarily, but with like you seeing that whole love, love, hate, uh, Daredevil punching a woman in the face multiple times, uh, her punching him back, I love you, let's die together stuff. I hated that, but only because it's so. Besides the punching each other, only because that whole scene was like so cliche for uh, a whole series of shows that has not been cliche. Like, I don't like that. It felt cheap to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're supposed to expect that Daredevil's dead. And then they show like, you think you see Daredevil up on the rooftops, but no, it's Iron Fist because his fist is glowing. Otherwise, you wouldn't have known it was him. I mean, geez, <laughs> we just watched eight episodes in a season of this guy. I think we know who he is now. <laughs> and like, and they want you to believe that that he's dead. Well, I don't. And so it's not going to surprise me. It'll surprise me more if he is dead, which I don't think he is. But now, what do we have to expect? Is Daredevil the Black Sky Part 2? Is Elektra still alive, too? Was he saved by, like, a random beam that was able to hold up, you know, 20 tons of wreckage above him? Like, I I really think that they did so much work in the season to build formidable foes and to build up a team that... I really feel like the ending really just took all that away, all that enjoyment. And I saw it building up. I was like, I know what's coming, and I don't like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that really soured me, um, but I, but it doesn't speak for the whole. As a whole, it was a great series. Um, there's plenty of movies I've seen with bad endings. In my mind, this is just a, a good movie with a bad ending. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was a good team up a good build up to the the final episode and like you uh the ending there was no way they were going to kill off daredevil and in i i still hold to unless their heads cut off they're coming back (laughs) so (laughs) that leaves gao and the other guy and electra they're all going to come back in some way shape or form down the road and it just it doesn't give you a good sense of closure because it left that wide open there. Yeah, and I get that they 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 want to leave that opening, right? But yeah, I feel like like you said that '90s montage where it shows everybody's life, and you know it, it has Jessica Jones and Luke Cage talking about you know they didn't like how things ended, and uh, then you have Iron Fist acting like a brooding Batman slash <laughs> Daredevil and. With a glowing yeah. fist, because nobody notices a glowing fist. Come on now. That's right. Uh, it could be anybody. <laughs> <laughs> but 
I mean, I'm glad that we get more Daredevil. I never, I, they never sold me on the, th- on the thought that he was dead. Yeah, me neither. But I did like the emotional reaction that they got from Karen and Foggy uh, in the precinct when he didn't come back through the door. Yeah, I did. Li- I did like that. That got me a little choked up. I agree with you on that. So again, the supporting characters are uh, the shining point. Uh, it seems of of this whole movie or series, but you know, I, I still I think Luke Cage did a, again my, one of my favorite characters in this whole Marvel uh, Netflix universe. Jessica Jones still a great character. Went through a journey in this one that she's actually. You know, kind of feeling a little heroic by the end of it. She's opening up Alias Investigations again. And, you know, she's she's kind of going on that path. And I think that the sacrifice of Matt kind of is pushing her down that path. Well, what's what's going to happen when she finds out Murdoch's alive? Like, oh, well, never mind. I'm not going to do this investigation stuff. And, you know, just kind of be like, whatever. I'll just go, go to the bar and chill. But yeah. <laughs> I feel like... As a whole, like you, it was it was a it was a great series. Out of out of all the Netflix stuff that they've done, this is probably probably under Jessica Jones for me. Um, so you know, you got for me, it's number one Luke Cage, number two Jessica Jones. No, my bad. Hold on, number one Luke Cage, number two Daredevil, number three Jessica Jones, and then. We got uh, Defenders, Daredevil season two, and Iron Fist. I think that's, I think that's how I kind of categorize this one. And for me, it's again the reliance on the hand. Like yeah. again, this this was Iron Fist season two, kind of. And I just, I liked Danny better in here, and I'm glad that there was a bunch of Colleen mixed in, but still. That's the catalyst, and that's what they're leaning on for the foundation of this thing, and it it doesn't doesn't quite sit well with me the entire time. I wish there was a Fisk, you know. I wish Wilson Fisk showed up, yeah. and you know there was some nefarious like something. Like well, I like want if they, if they did like that montage of all the heroes at the end, why couldn't we see like a Fisk and Kilgrave and all these baddies doing the same exact thing because they're all dead. coming back. No, he's coming back. I thought he was dead. Yeah, I thought so too, but they say he's going to be in Jessica Jones season two. Interesting. Yeah. Well. Spoilers. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I think that, you know, it would have been nice to see Fisk at some point, but maybe they're saving him for Daredevil season three. Uh, I think that he could be at the big bad for a, for Defenders 2. I really think that they could make Fisk, like he builds up the Empire again. And he gets minions to kind of do his bidding, and he's basically having his minions hunt down the defenders and try to tear them apart, and you know go that route. But at the end, it's it's just showdown between Daredevil and Fisk again, or maybe Luke Cage and Fisk, or any of them, because they all have a stake. Uh, Luke Cage and Daredevil are the, probably the most ones protective of their turf. You know what I mean? So I think they'd have the most to to want to fight for. They did such a good job with Fisk. They really made him uh, a memorable villain. I'm very excited to see him come back. Because mm-hmm. uh, D'Onofrio is like, he's incredible. So mm-hmm. uh, it, it's going to be fun to see if and when 
he re-enters this uh, storyline. Speaking of re-entering the storyline, did you watch after the credits on the last episode? Yeah, the little Punisher teaser. What's what's your vibe? Uh, you know what? It's it's kind of funny that you asked that because I'm looking at the cast right now for the Punisher uh, to try to get an idea of uh, what we're looking at. I feel like... Um, um, did you see the first Punisher movie with Thomas Jane? Uh, was Travolta in that one? Yeah, he was the villain. Right. So I feel like the Thomas Jane parts of the Punisher, they did a pretty good job with. Um, I really like John Barenthal. He'll always be Shane to me, but, uh, that he's, he screams a great Frank Castle. I, I think we're seeing, um, a prequel, though, I'm guessing. I think we're going to see, like, a prequel to his character that we saw in, in um, at least for part of it, maybe half of it. Uh, and I could be totally wrong because I haven't done any research on it. But I know that he said in, in an interview that the Frank Castle we're getting in The Punisher isn't the Frank Castle we saw in Daredevil Season 2. So I'm curious if that means we're going to get a more vigilant uh, Punisher, or we're going to get a, a more toned-down, humanized version. Either way, I'm on board for that. Well, if you look at uh, Daredevil Season 2, he was more suicidal. Yeah, he's definitely insane <laughs> in that. So if they could bring a little bit more of a, a, a mellow, like, uh, vibe to where he kind of can, like, compose his thoughts and not just try to get himself killed or kill hundreds of people... Um, I'm a, I'm on board. If you ever read Punisher War Journal, that's what he kind of reminded me of in the Daredevil one, where he's kind of like at his wit's end and he's just killing. Um, but if it's like their old school Punisher stuff, where he's like cold and calculated, and he's 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 more of the like good guy doing bad things vibe, I I think I'm I'm ready for it. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited to see what they do. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Um, it's not high on my list. I'm not really a big fan of the super violent stuff, which with Punisher, that's what you're going to get. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, that's just his MO. But anyway, that's for another day. This was The Defenders. So before we say goodbye, Josh, what would you like to plug? Where can the good friends on the Internet find you? You can find me, just uh, find me on Twitter at Josh Bones, uh, and just uh, check out PSVG and see what we're doing. Uh, we got a new format, so uh, uh, come check us out. We're doing a lot more audio stuff. Uh, we uh, The episode that I was just on um, just dropped today, so if you want to go give that a listen, check it out. PSVG is gearing up to uh, episode 100, so... Um, Keep listening. We got some exciting stuff in store. And uh, mostly thank you for having me on here. I'm a big fan of the podcast, so um, I'm psyched to be on it. Well, thanks for coming on, sir. We always like to extend the podcast family, and obviously the ones who are internet famous like yourself are oh, always yeah. <laughs> you know, welcome to come on. Um, yeah, well, cool. So... The show you can find on Twitter at EntertainingPod. You can find me on Twitter at VoicedByNathan. Again, 
PSVG, but let's shout them out again. I do stuff over there every now and then. Uh, and also, we got friends in the podcast community that are doing great stuff all over the place, like the Flux Depose crew. Or you can listen to our guys over at Tap the Craft. You can listen to all the small content over at IGN. They're a little upstart um, podcast community. I don't know if you ever heard of them, Josh, but they, they have a couple things out there you could maybe check out, like Unlocked and, you know, some different things. Nice. So... Uh, but yeah, so that'll do it for us for this month, and we will see you next month with a yet-to-be-determined topic because I haven't looked and seen what comes out or what would be of note next month. If you have any suggestions or if you'd like us to cover something, shoot us a tweet or an email, which, by the way, you can email us um, connect at that'sentertaining.net. Uh, but the best way would probably be send us a tweet anyway that's been the show ladies and gentlemen we thank you for listening and we hope that you have been entertained 